this is Rating Descendant. Where we watch IMDb's worst 250 movies so you don't have to. I'm Michelle St. Clair. I'm Abigail Wood. <laughs> and this week I'm we... Abigail Wood. I'm a big old Oh, she's broken. I'm a big old Because there, I could do like I'm a, a big smack you on it. Take, <laughs> take it up. Replace the batteries. I'm a, I'm a... <laughs> okay. I don't know the sound of batteries. Throw these away. Batteries! <laughs> All right. <laughs> Turn on. And I'm a big old <laughs> And this week, we watched Critters 3. The tiny furball aliens that will eat anything or anyone set their sights on a Los Angeles apartment tower. Let's watch. Episode of Critters Three. Uh, what? No, no. It used to be half and half, and now you do every. You do three episodes for every one, Michelle. Yeah, it used to be half and half, but now it's just one percent, baby. No. What am I gonna do? It's not fair. I'm now doing Jennifer Connelly in Labyrinth. It's not fair. I should do more nice. episodes. My baby brother. Nice. I can do impressions too, like Jennifer Love Hewitt. In the hit film, I Know What You Did Last Summer. What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for, huh? It's pretty good. If what a are little, you waiting for? If perhaps a little niche. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you might like it. Uh, this is Tom Hanks when he's walking down the street and he he runs into, like, he doesn't run into someone immediately. They're, like, across the way a little bit, but he doesn't actually want to stop and talk. He just wants to acknowledge their presence and then move on. Oh, hey! And that's it. I love that because you could also use that as a double up for when James Stewart sees yeah. anybody on any film set. Oh, hey! Wow! Wow! <laughs> I want the moon, Mary. <laughs> How are you going? I, I, I recently got the moon the other day. <laughs> I'm going to get a great bit. And then moonbeams are going to shine out of your mouth. <laughs> hey, They're going to absorb. Hey, James, that's not in the script. And then his tentacles going to come out of your belly, see? Should, do and we I'm keep this? It up. I mean, it's good, slime, but it's Mary. just not like part the of the movie. glistening on your breasts, Mary. All right, I, you get Frank a great Capra, big will just soon, decide to keep Mary. it in the edit. I'm going to string you in. Mary, like you're a little piece of string. Hey, come on, Frank. The guy's talking about moonbeams. Everybody loves moonbeams, all right? And every time a bell rings, an angel earns its wings. Yeah, listen. God, I love that film. Listen to the toots. <laughs> this is actually like, that's how Frank Capra knew to include that line in the movie is that someone on set said it. Pretty good. Pretty good comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how are you, Abby? To flip it, to flip the normal dynamic. Uh, well, let's get let's get real here, all right? Let's bring it down, all right? Sure, let's, why let's not? Let's get it nice and close. Let's huddle in. Let's let's right. let's let's talk in whispers. Right. Everybody, actually. everybody, huddle in. Everyone, everyone, lean everybody in. Everyone, every every listener, yeah. lean in. All right. Everyone, everyone, come join us for just a second. Can you hear us? I hope in you the can same hear space us. now. Yeah, don't worry. Shh, Michelle, it. shut up, Shh, Michelle. Shh, Michelle. Whispering. Wait, wait. Okay. Wait, I can't, I can't hear you because you're whispering. No, I'm. you can definitely I, hear me because I'm whispering. Whispering oh is God, way shit. louder than just talking quietly. Dude, dude. All it is, you just hear the sibilances. It's just oh psst, 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 all the time. I've, I've, I've had a lot of trouble sleeping recently. 
Yeah, I know. Um, you talked about it. Which we talked about. Yeah. Uh, so that's still a thing. It's coming up to come old news at this point. Come on, wait. Uh, okay, what have you well, got that's got some fucking pets? No, no, no. I've, I've got some. I've got some. I've got, I've got some news. I've got some news. Okay. Um, well, like, I no, I realized today. Uh, shh. Shh. Excuse me. This is a library. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Shh. I can, yeah. What I was going to say is that shh. I have. Shh. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, and so I have a wedding to plan. Um, so that's that's a thing that's happening soon. Wait, the thing is just that you have a wedding to plan and have had a wedding to plan for a while? Yeah, but like now it's happening. Is this, now it's like, uh, I'm actually going to stop planning it. Is this you only just now also realizing that you are getting shh, married? Shh, okay. Shh, <laughs> this fuck. is a library. <laughs> You're going to get kicked out, young woman. You can talk in a library. They're communal spaces. Well, that I, I, undeniably true. I am a bit of a Scrooge. Yeah, the commu- Like I understand the necessity of being quiet. I'm not being loud though, or disruptive. It's my. I'm just doing my job. That's You're not doing your job. Do. You're I doing am? no, just, because this is not a part of the library. I don't know what to tell you. God, that one was a bitch. I know. <laughs> but I, yeah, so I've got a wedding to plan. So that's pretty cool. It is cool. That is, is great. I mean, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're leading with that's pretty cool, rather than oh man. Well, also, oh man, because basically, um, now that I've moved in, the next thing on the agenda, according to certain parents involved, is that it start getting organized. So mm. the the that's kind of now instead of it being like yeah, it's gonna happen. It's it's definitely like the wheels are gonna be set in motion. Dates will be finalized. Locations will be booked. Yeah, it's 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 all beginning, baby. The way you started that made me think it was less about the wedding itself and more the idea of getting married. It's like, yeah, at first it was just something, but now I'm like, oh, it's real. <laughs> now it's actually happening. Guys, it's like, yeah. I said I'd get married, and he actually bought it. <laughs> so I guess it's just on. <laughs> like, that's crazy. It was a bit that went a crazy. little too far. That's crazy. He really thought my yes was like a yes. <laughs> it was definitely meant to be like a. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Will you marry I mean, you me? Just, yeah, yeah, down the track. If if you put a gun to my head, at yes. some point. No big life events, Michelle. I it's that's fucked up. Guys, let's take a moment, listeners. I know we've touched on my engagement, but think about a year ago when I was publicly denouncing any form of monogamy, and now I'm here being like, guys, I'm getting married, and this bitch librarian's talking me down. Yeah, to, to, paraphrase, to paraphrase Abby, listeners, think about Abby getting married. That's fucked up. That's really <laughs> fucked up. That's really fucked up, guys. <laughs> well, when you know, you know. That's the moral of the story, guys. Um, love is always around the corner, um, and you, you've just got to wait to find the one because, you know, you're not whole unless you've got another person in your life. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You are. Don't worry. You... True love will find you. It oh. found me. And when I was least expecting it. Oh, oh my God. Oh. <laughs> People like you don't feel love. Shh. Oh this my... is a library. Oh, my. I'm, I'm talking in a normal volume. I'm not being <laughs> disruptive to anyone else at the library. We're in the communal area. <laughs> Speaking of things that are fucked up. We watched Critters 3. Now, similar to last week, I want to lead off by saying, did you watch Critters 1 and 2? I didn't watch all of them, but I... So what I did with Critters 1... Okay. After I watched Critters 3, 
is that I went back and I watched Critters 1 in fragments mm. because I wanted to know the plot and the feel and the vibe, mm. but I didn't want to watch it. Oh. So I just kind of went through and skipped over bits and I was like, okay, I kind of get various things. I understand Charlie as a protagonist. Didn't bother to do it with Critters 2. Oh. But, um, you are missing out because... Okay. Because, okay, so audience and Abby... But you you could maybe deduce Hi. this. <laughs> Hello, Crit- it's me. Critters one. Hello, Abby. We're in a fucking library. <laughs> um, Critters one is like a standard framework of oh, family in a small town. There is a monster. In this case, it's a space alien called a critter. Well, technically, it's called a crite. And then it multiply oh there's several of them and then they start eating people including billy zane uh and the family has to fight them off it's like uh it's like fucking the purge one or like i feel like a lot of franchises start with a home invasion premise because it's like the cheapest and easiest to film and then credit and it, it was like okay like I, it wasn't terrible i would maybe watch it again but it also like I don't know. It didn't it didn't hook me very much the first one. But it has some charm and it has some comedy elements to it that were fun. And in particular, the first one introduces if you watched through the entire credits, you would see Terrence Mann uh who is like an alternate universe Tim Curry in his career on Broadway, but I know him more than anything as the villain in Sense8. Um as this like glam rock mulleted fucking alien bounty hunter wearing leather. I miss when sci-fi was unabashedly horny like that. <laughs> yeah. It was so fantastic. Yes. Anyway, end of Critters 1, they kill the aliens. Critters 2, the same boy, is now like 15. Charlie, the uh, the drunk in the first one, wa- uh, has been taken to space with the Terrence Man bounty hunter and his companion, who, by the way, they both, both him and the companion chose faces. So he chose the face of a rock star, but his companion doesn't choose a face until later in the movie where this mask coded character chooses the face of a beautiful buxom woman. And nobody's like, that's weird. They're all like, you did it. You chose, you chose a body that suits you. That's really great. I love that. And I'm like, fucking Curtis two said trans rights. All right. I love this. It was like taking the premise of the first movie and then in the second one, it's like, oh, there's actually still critters around and it like involves the whole town. Okay. It got worse reviews than the first one. I had a great time watching Critters 2. Shit. Okay, that's so a stunning good. review. To start off this episode about Critters 3, that is a stunning review of Critters 2. It was fun. That's insane. Pacing was a little sluggy in the middle, but like... Maybe a bit just because I really liked Ugg, the Terrence Man bounty hunter, and Charlie, who has been like semi adopted by the bounty hunters as his own bounty hunter in space, who comes back with them. Genuinely kind of entertaining, would absolutely watch again. I want to show it to my girlfriend. It's great time. So going into this, I'm like, this is going to be fun at the very least. And then they go back to just the like home invasion, but it's an apartment building. Yeah. Easily easily the worst of these three like 100 percent. oh my god I, I have 
I was so appalled by how cliched this film was. Before we do talk about Critters 3, when you mentioned in Critters 2 how, like, there was definitely this, like, era in the 80s of, like, this glam rock Mm. kind of, like, punky, mullity, either villain or hero that ends up being in Mm. a lot of, like, sci-fi and action stuff. Like, last night, I couldn't sleep the entire time. Like, I couldn't sleep all of last night. But me and Claude were watching... Oh, I was playing, like, a video game at, like, really late at night. I was playing, like, No Man's Sky. Hey! The new update, by the way, is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I I hadn't touched it in ages. I hadn't Mm. touched it in two years. So I just spent, like, an hour just going through all the updates and being like, wow, this is cool. And it was literally just something to, like, occupy. I know I shouldn't be looking at screens, but I was, like, so awake. I was like, I'm just going to play a video game and try and unwind. And Claude had to watch me. And then we went to bed and I just rolled over and I ended up telling him the entire plot of Highlander for like no reason. And he was like, I love my film bro wife who just makes me watch like makes me watch her play video games and then explains the entire plot of Highlander to me. When we're meant to be going to bed, I didn't sleep. I was probably too excitable from the conversation about Highlander. But I was talking to him about the villain in Highlander One. I can't remember his name. Um, the, but he's the, played the, by Clancy the, Brown. The Krogan, the Kurgan, the Kurgan. Yeah, the Kurgan? I think it was the Kurgan. Yeah, I think it is the Kurgan. And like, I was thinking about him as a character, and he's another mullet, metal head punky guy in like this black leather, and he's like this like evil villain. And it just, I was trying to explain it to Claude, and I was like, yeah, he looks like he's like a member of Nitro. Like, it's yeah. like the most bizarre villain design, but it's so effective. It's so good. And I, I, I was literally saying, I missed, I miss villains looking like that because we were also watching Time Bandits, thanks hey. to you. And there's a similar kind of vibe with evil in Time Bandits. It's not that he mm. looks glam or punk, but he's definitely got this like kind of like a musician look to him. He's just like so theatrical and stagey. Like, everything just looks. Yeah so elevated and um that's what glam rock is it's just elevated yeah i love and it you even you can even go back further you get things like zardoz or thx 1138 and fucking uh, barbarella is cra- like i mean barbarella is maybe the horniest movie i've seen where it wasn't explicit yeah but even in like fucking Star Wars you get Lando Ka- Star Wars is one of the least sexual ones in the 70s and it was still hornier than the sequels, which I broadly liked. Yeah, a, a woman still got exploited along the way. Yeah. And that's oh, important yeah. to keep in mind. I was thinking of Lando Calrissian more than anything. Oh, right. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, I miss that that pre-9-11 strain of sci-fi where it could be horny and hopeful instead of just it's like always now sci-fi is either, uh-oh, we destroyed everything because that's inevitable, or it's, uh-oh, we let the bureaucracy become fascism. Because it's inevitable. Also, ha- it's so depressing. Horny and hopeful is such a great combination. Yeah. That's def- if, if, if I wasn't getting married, absolutely my new Insta bio for sure. <laughs> it can still be your Insta bio. You're still horny and hopeful. This is true. This is true. It's just that I need to explicitly state I'm only horny for one man. And that man is Jesus. That's fine. You can be horny. And he comes inside of me every night. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, how how are you meant to go back to <laughs> how are we meant to start afresh uh, uh, let, let me get into the overview <laughs> <laughs> this one came out in 1991 which was three years after uh, Critters 2 this was directed by Christine Peterson. So one of the few female directors on the list, we were so fucking close to two in a row. We like, Oh, if it was a different look, who's talking last week, we've also got another female director in a few weeks. Like 
we're so close, guys. I want there to be more female directors represented on this list than the average. Yeah, <laughs> women fuck up too, um, just not as much. We're not given the opportunity to fuck up as much, and that's fucked up. Yeah. And that's what feminism's all about, man. Let us make mistakes, all right? <laughs> well, it, it, I, We want a Me Too movement against women, all right? We want that room to... That's to, not what I'm saying. trial and error, baby. Trial and error. No, but honestly, I do genuinely think, like, part of the problem is that right now, every film made by a woman needs to be a 10 out of 10, or people go, that's why women shouldn't be directors. Or they just go, yeah. like, not good enough. Why is this not a feminist narrative? No. Women should be able to make mediocre shit movies like that's fucking and, and what get scrutinized it, yeah yeah and they get scrutinized for doing tropes that are that, that are familiar like that are often done by female directors can you imagine how excited people would be if a man shot like a really emotional insightful rom-com mm. but then if a woman did the same thing they'll be like well it's expected but yeah. once you're going to push the boundaries and do like yeah. a sci-fi that no one's ever going to fund because no one ever wants a female director doing a sci-fi like it's just oh yeah People question why people are like limited whilst limiting them. It's uh, very, it's very frustrating. But Christine Peterson, mostly known for being first AD, she worked at American Zoetrope uh, while Apocalypse Now was happening, so that's rad. And a couple other bad movies. I don't know what that means. What's American Zoetrope? Zoetrope Studios was um, Coppola's studio. It was the one that, right. like, he fucking was like, "I'm sick of the major studios. I'm going to go out into the desert and make my own thing to make." To like invent we, independent cinema, and we all know how that worked out. Am I right? I mean, shockingly right. well for a decade. Yeah, well, all good things must come to an end. Apparently, she says prophetically. This movie starring, so it has Don Keith Opper as Charlie, who is one of only two actors along with Terrence Mann to appear in every Critters movie. Amy Brooks is the lead character, Annie. But notably, this movie has Leonardo DiCaprio in it. Yeah, that was really fun. <laughs> and I mean, when it starts, it had him build in the credits. And I yeah. was like, well, now this is going to be a lot more interesting. Because I got to say, like, when you're watching a bad film, when it's just like a, a cast of nobody, it's kind of like, eh. But when it's a bad film with, like, mm. a proper A-lister, that's always exciting. That's always just a bit of, that's an extra little, like, it's like an extra sprinkle of salt in a good casserole. You know? Yeah. And I in a good way. And we'll come back to, to him as well. To casseroles. Normally I like to talk about the box office, but I could not find the box office information anywhere. Big yikes. Big yikes. Big um, big yikes. So here's the overview proper. On the way home from a trip near Grover's Bend, the setting of the first two, Annie, Johnny, and their father Clifford stop at a rest stop. At the rest stop, Charlie warns them and Josh, stepson of a corrupt landlord, about the critters. As this happens, a critter lays eggs under the family's car, and when the family leaves, they unknowingly take the eggs with them. Once they arrive home, the critters hatch and begin to cause chaos in the apartment building. Josh's father, the landlord, is killed, as the family and the other residents flee to the roof to try and signal for help. On their way, they once again meet Charlie, who has come to hunt the critters. Once on the roof, they kill the last of the critters and get help. The family resolves their troubles when Josh's mother offers them financial compensation. Charlie finds the last two remaining critter eggs in the building basement, but is ordered not to destroy them by the Intergalactic Space Council. That's the movie. It's a pretty tight overview, and it's because not that much happens, baby. Not that much happens, but it's really it's also really hard to explain things like the Intergalactic Council without really getting into the thick of it. Because I need you to know, like, the, I, I'm not sure if you started Critters 1, like, at the beginning, but it starts 
really going hard sci-fi. Like, it's same as Jason X. Like, leaning into this, this blobby alien creature that is ordering two faceless men down to Earth. Like, it's crazy. And this one has the least of the sci-fi of the main four. Well, well, well uh, uh, before we, we delve into Critters 3, what is... have You've seen all three now. What is your overall technically there's five i've only seen the first three but you've seen all three so what is your how do you find this franchise like what's your honest opinion on the critters franchise in general i think i don't know it's tough to like i don't think this franchise has that much of an identity like critters yeah three is very different from critters one and critters two is very different from critters one and three the way the critters Mm function in each of them is their actual like powers are the same across them but like in the first one they're scary little balls that we barely see and in the second one we see them a bit more but they have more of like a herd mentality thing going on Mm. in this one there's a lot more like puppetry which is kind of a positive but they do have a very gremlins-esque scene in the kitchen where they're like guzzling food and we see them like laugh and chuckle a lot more in this one they're like (laughs) guzzling dishwashing liquid and like blowing bubbles when they get killed like yeah. every time they get sliced afterwards of like blowing out bubbles but um yeah it has like a real i haven't even seen gremlins and i know it has a gremlins vibe oh, and you like haven't i know seen like, gremlins? it's a controversial i haven't seen gremlins how have we known each other for this long and i've never sat you down and made you watch gremlins i fucking love I feel gremlins like you've tried a couple of times for some reason it never panned oh, out because i've never wanted to see it of course i do but it just never came up for some reason. It just never happened. Gremlins is fucking fantastic. Joe Dante killed it directing that movie. Everyone thinks it's a fucking Spielberg movie. It's it's not. Genuinely really great little uh, family comedy horror thing. You know, there's like horrors that aren't scary enough that they need to be watched by an adult. Yeah. And then Gremlins 2, the new batch, which I've seen arguably more, mostly because my sister would watch it on repeat, is like almost like a satire of the first one it's it's kind of mm. it's kind of bad but it's like trying so farcically at satirizing the first one that there's like still a lot to enjoy in it yeah and that's the extent of gremlins this is the the, the actual critters are like the reverse of a gremlin instead of being short and wiry and creepy they're like fat and puffy yeah which is kind of cute like they're kind of cute little things except for like they're really razor sharp scary little teeth but they're, they're, they're kind of adorable but they have like six rows of yeah. teeth it's crazy they, I was, they reminded me of when I was a kid, I played this online game. Mm. Actually, I think I could download it, but it was called, oh, I think it was called Puggle and it wasn't Peggle. I think it was called Puggle. Why would I assume it's Peggle? What do you? <laughs> I, I just feel like it's just such an easy, I feel like if I say Puggle, they're like, oh, you mean Peggle. Why? No. no. Why would I, mean, I, why would I correct that? They're both gibberish. I get, well, actually too often in my life. No, I, I think I, I think it was called puggle or poggle and it was like these little fluffy creatures and like it was basically like candy crush but you were moving around these cute little fluffy creatures and trying to match them up and it was like it was really fun and like i was really obsessed with it and i just liked it because they looked like little puffy orbs with like smiley faces yeah so then i watched critters this is my one piece of feedback for critters 3 reminded me of that flash game i used to play But to fully answer your question, like, this movie particularly bothered me because, like I said, I loved Critters 2, but also I found Critters 2 is the most, like, distinct one of the three that I watched. It is the most, like, oh, this is what Critters is. It's kind of funny, but when they eat the things, it's, it's... 
like splatter violent where it's kind of fun rather than just gory and scary. It has intergalactic bounty hunters and their human companion Charlie where the t- and the small townsfolk team together with that. Like that's a fun sort of you can make like five of those. Yeah. And then this was like I don't know. What if it's gremlins, but in an apartment, but without charm? Well, yeah. This is this is what I had to say. This is the initial thought that I had with Critters Three, like the the standout thought. All right. Mm. I stand more vehemently behind what I said about Look Who's Talking Three because that had a bit of love and care sprinkled into it. But oh this God. was like a hollow third film <laughs> that was just recycled tropes with no effort. No effort made whatsoever. So, like, I was thinking about Look Who's Talking 3 and I was like, but there was so much that I liked about that dumb film and found enjoyable and they'd taken care to, like, make jokes and have fun and do something maybe different or fresh. But then this, I was like, this is just every hollowed out action trope that they stitch together of like the kids falling off the building and she grabs his hand and then the dad helps them up or they find a mechanism and it shoots them to the roof okay, like but also just a bunch of shit that is just trope after trope after trope and nothing refreshing to skip to the end i mean i don't necessarily like i agree that it's it's tropey and slow but i do think there's some some things that it does that are interesting but to skip to what you just said so there's the bit at the end that the the kid falls down by the way the kid is it seems like he's going to fall down because of a critter. Charlie manages to dive and grab the kit critter, and then the kid falls anyway, which is odd. <laughs> it seems like he's falling, and then Annie manages to grab him, but she can't quite pull him up. And by the way, when she goes to grab him, she looks like she's on the other side of the yeah. watching it, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> as soon as he starts gro- like dropping, she's just there with her arm out. The, yeah, the um, reason continuity error. No, the reason this movie's set in an apartment building is because it would be broken narratively by Annie's incredible long distance speed. Yeah. <laughs> if this was in a field, that's just like a ten minute movie. <laughs> She'd be able to <laughs> zip around. But yeah, she can't pull him up. And then the dad, who's been kind of grumpy the whole movie, comes and like puts his hand there too. And then the music swells as she, as he looks at Annie. And I'm like, wait, is the emotional catharsis like, oh, the dad is helping save his son from his falling son? to death? Yeah. Wait, that's it's expected. Like, oh, that's not a good dad thanks, moment. Dad. <laughs> yeah, I 100%. I was like, are they glorifying the fact that this man helped his daughter save his son? <laughs> Is that that's, what that it's not was? a standout dad moment. That's a normal dad moment. That's a yeah. bare minimum dad moment. Is not let son fall to death. And let's just talk about that young daughter, Amy. Who played her? Amy Brown. Brooks. Amy Brooks. Amy Brooks. She gave one of the most miserable performances I've ever seen. And I, I thought she was fine. I thought she was. I mean, everyone in this film. Apart from, I mean, Leo. Leo is a standout actor. I mean, Ooh, like yeah. Leo is like you watch him and you're like, no, he, you can see why he had star quality. He delivers lines effortlessly even as even a tiny a little film. baby boy as a teeny even teen... pre-gilbert great fun fact this is his feature film debut this is two years prior to his his wonderful performance in gilbert but yeah you can even see he's got this natural flair for it but the young woman there's that line at the end where she's like i think charlie's disappeared charlie saved the day and then he's disappeared and everyone's like oh my god where'd he go and she's like it's just like in the westerns, and like the the complete the delivery of that was just startlingly bad. I, it took yeah. me by it took me back, and I went to go rewatch it just for how bad the delivery was. There was a bit right at the beginning where she has a similar stinker of a line, being like, "Our mom is dead, okay," and <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> it reminds me of that woman on TikTok, Caitlin O'Reilly. That's yeah. like, "My mom, she's dead." 
and she's never coming back because she's dead. Have I mentioned this in the podcast Yeah, already? because we already talked about what an almost identical line in The Next Karate Kid. <laughs> so, yeah, this is just a reoccurring thing. I'll mention it every time. I'll be like, yeah, that reminds me of this great TikTok with the, Caitlin O'Reilly. The dialogue in this movie does feel like when people are satirizing poorly written movies like but it's yeah. it's played straight <laughs> that's what i mean it just feels so half-assed like it really does like it cripplingly so i was like this is the most this is like this is sometimes i'm it's almost like when things are half-assed it's just kind of tongue-in-cheek but this was just like this is just lazy and now i'm getting angry but i feel like they were trying to be tongue-in-cheek there was some good gags so there was this there was there was two bits to do with the same woman one at the nearish the beginning they finally make it to la we're meeting the other people of the tenement um and there's this greaser guy <laughs> who such a strange character because he unironically talks like hey what are you talking about eh well oh, i need i need to go fix the thing oh yeah. and aren't they in los angeles yes and he's wearing yeah. a leather vest and a pompadour in the 90s the, i don't know what the fuck this guy's deal is and then this woman rolls up on a motorcycle wearing just an excellent outfit to the to the extent that my girlfriend and I, who were each doing different things while this was on, stopped and went, oh, who's this? Because she just had great energy and she immediately tells him to like fuck off or something. He dies. He's one of the only two people who gets eaten by a, by a critter. Um, yeah. Turns out she works for like the phone company. So she's used to cables. So later she's like, I'll be able to get help by getting out the side of the building and gr- walking across the phone cables. But then she slips and gets caught on one of the phone cables and, like, falls almost all the way to the ground, but not quite. So she's dangling there. And you're like, oh, no. But then the gag, and I thought it was funny, is that we then keep cutting back to her as she's still dangling there because there isn't really anything she can do. And she's, like, making comments on it. There's one bit where she's, like, we see her swinging in and out of frame as she's trying to swing to a phone booth. And we're just saying, like, yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's I thought those scenes genuinely I'm like that's a good gag. That's fun. That this movie needed more of that. If it's going to be a horror comedy that's not very scary, it needs more gags like that. It it wasn't very scary. I have to say like the fact that the film had this complete lack of a proper threat, like a believable threat, just made the film I guess for me like just that little bit more boring because I was just like, yeah, where's that the, the critters don't feel scary or threatening. Yeah. Like they, they seem like silly, fun creatures. So you're not intimidated or threatened watching the film ever. The whole main thing with the critters, so this is my problem with the critters franchise as a whole, is that like the critters are scary because of their like funnel teeth mouth, right? They're big teeth and that they're like we eat everything that's crazy but they are small little puff balls which is meant to be like an irony but we never really see them enough in the first one for that to feel ironic yeah and then the problem comes from they're maybe a little too small yeah because when they do attack like billy zane in the first one you see too much of him in both hands like being able to just grab one for it to feel like a believable yeah. like you can push it off yeah they have a separate power just that is like it poison quills that like paralyze you and that's a big threat in the second one in this it seems to make them mildly dizzy and they get like five quills each and they're like that's eh, fine i reckon my plan of attack if i was taking on a critter is to use it like a soccer ball in a game of soccer and i yeah. just kick it down a big long footy pitch and then smack it into a goal and then 
stomp on it at the end and it would just be me in a really i look really hot i'm like really muscled and tanned and i'm in like a really tight soccer uniform and i'm just kicking the shit out of it i like that i like that because the because that is why in the second one the threat of the critters comes from the fact that they act as a herd it's a large group of them yeah right in this i, like I mean but the them. great thing is if they're a herd i've got a whole soccer team so. oh that's good do you think yeah baby you could as a, not fight off a soccer team, right? But I guess which how I have you... and will do again. <laughs> sure. What is the largest size of animal you think you could fight off a pack of personally? Do you want like an honest answer? Like yeah. a really like if you do you really want me to think about this? Yeah, I do. Okay. You don't want me to be flippant and and brag about something I can't do. No, right. I want you to be serious on this podcast, all right? What animal yeah, can you which fight I off? Always am. Yeah. All right. I if if I I'm really thinking about this like a, a herd of them a pack not a herd a pack a, pa- a, a pack even like a, a pack of cats right mm. like street cats I probably couldn't fight those off because mm. that's like fucking say it's like a pack is what five cats yeah maybe yeah and then there's like that that means I'm dealing with at least ten claws coming at me and back legs and teeth right so even cats a pack of cats I'd be I'd be a goner. yeah you've only got two arms them. and then there's three more cats still arms. fighting you yeah you'd have to develop then, a technique to draw the attention of the three cats away while you hold the other two in your hands and then I think about like a pack of magpies for instance right as a bird yeah you just punch it out of the sky if they're just swooping at me and pecking at me punch it out of the sky I've got no chance like they're just swarming me but I do wear glasses. But then they'd be clawing at me and I'd get all frazzled and I think they'd like punch it out of the sky. (laughs) I only have two hands and there's five magpies. When they're diving towards you before it hits you, just just like just like move and then punch. That's all that's all it is. I don't remember I don't remember this bit of the karate kid the next karate kid at all. (laughs) You didn't watch my tape I sent you of Karate Kid Five Magpie. After you learn wax on, wax off, there's punch it out of the sky. There's the five magpies. So even magpies, I actually don't think I could take on. So we're going smaller than that, right? Okay. I could fight off five mice for sure. Five yeah. rats, definitely. Well, I think the problem with the rats, to, to get back, rats are similar to gremlins in that their strength comes from their mechanical chaos. Yes. A rat is not just trying to attack you. A rat can cause chaos and manipulate objects. Mm. Mm. You know, if a rat is smart enough to know <gasps> to push things or break things, that can change the, the structure of a fight. I'm a fool. I took the wrong approach here. I went too practical. Think smarter, not harder. I, uh, I I choose little sweet sloths, big sweet sloths. They're huge, but they're slow and they're confused. And a pack of them easily fight them off. Easily. They'll like come up to me and I'll just push one away. And then another one will come up and I'll just push it away. And they'll be like, and yeah. Sure, but I reckon one claw swipe and you're down. Yeah, those claws are pretty nasty, hey? Yeah, they look sharp. Am I, like, am I wearing what I'm wearing now? Which is like... As I described, a really tight soccer fil- uh, soccer uniform over my toned, tanned body. That's what I'm wearing right now. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Yeah, that is so. Yes. So, so the audience knows that's what Abby's wearing is a tight, an ill-fitting soccer tank over your <laughs> like incredibly too, shredded. Too small. <laughs> yeah. Definitely like two sizes too small. You look like you're wearing a jumper of someone who is like head of the water polo team in the 50s yeah and my tan is so dark that my teeth are 
look extra white and it it becomes like a race problem like it becomes like a like a, like a not a race problem why does it, it becomes to? like a because <laughs> if someone tans their skin too dark that's fucking weird why do you like, have if someone to doesn't fictionally Ariana, like, <laughs> i don't want to but here we you are you described right? it <laughs> I, it's who i am no it isn't <laughs> Can you imagine just like the listeners find out that this whole time for over like a whole year, every week I've turned up in a really tight soccer uniform <laughs> and I'm completely tanned <laughs> from fucking scalp to toes. That would be pretty funny. But back to the fucking point. One of the other things that I thought was really funny. There's... Hey, you didn't answer the question. You yeah, I, I didn't ask me the question. I asked you the question. So there's a Sorry. point. Uh, <laughs> there's a point where they're in the attic. And they're, they're trying to fight some of them off. This is where we finally it finally gets interesting. I found the last 20 minutes of this movie infinitely more engaging than the first hour of this movie. Stunning things, including the grandma slices off one of their heads. Also, their blood in this is just like generic green goo that I feel like they give to childish, slimy monsters. But in the first two, it's it's blood. They have their they have blood because yeah. they're mammals. This time they have slimy green goo with little dishwashing soap bubbles which is nice yeah that was fun but there's one point they they managed to like trap one in a sack and then they're like let's get him and it's the the little i think it's amy oh annie i think it's annie and then the two older ones there's like an older woman and an older man stop beating it in the sack but then we just cut to this wide of them for too long and too slowly, just like smacking the <laughs> in the sack, just, uh, it just did not land at all. It's yeah, it really dawned on me. I was like, look, the, the fight ended up going to the roof. It went straight to the top. Yeah, but. There was this bit where I was like, is the climax of this film really them in a basement thwacking a critter like half-heartedly? Because I can't deal with this as a climax to the film. Well, the, they only kill one on the roof because by that point they've killed basically all of them. There's just the one yeah. who had a bleached face who also half of their hair is white. Another, this movie is the one where they steal from gremlins. It's just bizarre. Anticlimactic to say in the least. And the the spike, the, the, the white-haired one, when he he's like sitting on the roof, no one can see him because they're all fucking idiots. Uh, and the kid is by the side of the the roof, as I mentioned before. And then the critter does the like Sonic the Hedgehog spin dash from Sonic Two. He like in place goes and starts spinning rapidly before he shoots off. I'm like, that's fucking Sonic. Why is it Sonic yeah, now? all the critters did that the entire film, if you notice. Like, they all had that ability for some reason. So they would, like, rev up. I only feel like I saw it at that time. I swear I saw it a couple of times at the beginning. I thought that was a thing where they they roll up and then they shoot off. That is not a critters thing. I watched I watched all fuck? three of them. They do not have the, the Sonic the Hedgehog spin dash. <laughs> well, I feel like at the end when the spin dash occurred, I was like, yeah, this is pure critterisms. Like, this is, I get it. This pure is 100% in the lore of the world that I am attuned to, oh, okay. <laughs> having only watched the third one. This is classic critter. This is my critter's lore, <laughs> and I don't abide by critter's one or well, two lore at all. Given that you seem to have put it together better, can you explain to me why at one point they walk into a room and there's a critter there, and then the critter just starts singing very loudly for a really long time no comment <laughs> okay because that was strange i want a lawyer he just walks in the critters like ah! <laughs> for like a full minute also wait 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 sorry i have to bring up something yeah i i have to bring up something urgently 
I have never, ever, in, 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 the, in the history of this podcast, struggled to get through the credits at the end as much as I struggled <laughs> to get through this one because they decided to put that last scene of Charlie talking to the intergalactic space depot collecting the two fucking critters. They, they just... They basically showed you 10 second fragments of the scene and then pause it to give you a list of credits for 20 seconds and then turn it off and give you 10 more seconds of the scene and pause it and give you 20 more seconds of credits. So you're staggering through the scene, desperate to jump out of this film as soon as you can, but they're smart. They're like, no, we need them to stick around for this cliffhanger ending. So we're going to make them wait two extra minutes to watch this whole scene. I was furious. I was so, I had like my hand on the back of my laptop ready to snap it shut and do my usual Jesus Christ. And I was just sitting there being like, this is hell on earth. Yeah. Because this is like when you're at the end of a long shift and it's 4.58, but it's 4.58 for like a solid 15 minutes. Time is just ticking slower than ever. That's what that credit sequence was for me. It was being eternally at 4.58 p.m. It's meant to be like tense and fun, but instead it just means the pacing is turgid. It also creates the weird phenomenon where Terrence Mann is credited before he shows up on screen. Yeah, exactly. Also, Terrence Mann does have huge Tim Curry energy. Yes, he does. Tim Curry energy. He's also similarly a fantastic singer on Broadway. Terrence Mann, underrated. Excellent nice. actor. Let's bring him back, baby. We've got to let's recultivate the Terrence Mann experience. When when we watch inevitably Critters Two together, uh, you will see what I mean when Terrence because in this one he had a haircut, but in the first and second one he had that glorious, glorious mane of hair. Excellent nice. shit. Very Tim Curry, like I said. Michelle, would you ever consider getting a mullet? No, you should. Thank you, but I've got my hair already, and I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> <laughs> but the great thing about hair is that you can change it and manipulate it and you can cut it and then it can grow out back into your normal hair. That's true. I've got a haircut. You've already got the fringe because right now your fringe is long, so it's kind of middle parted a bit yeah. anyway. You could do like a feathery 70s cut, you know? It's lockdown, baby. Just test it out. If there's anything that unites me with the other women with brown, wavy hair and a fringe, it's that we don't change the hair. Zoe Deschanel had a different haircut for maybe six months. What was it? It was like a bob. Nice. And then it still sounds like it went back to a it. fringed bob. It was a fringed it a, bob. Was it a fringed? But more bob? like a side part. Has anyone ever seen under Zoe Deschanel's fringe? We don't know what's there. <laughs> it could be what? anything. <laughs> if she like raises her fringe, a white shining light comes out and zaps you. Ah, <laughs> and then ah, you're eternally living in the new girl theme song. Ah, hey, girl. What am I doing? What you doing? Ah! Hey, girl. Ah! I can see everything. Who's it's that just girl? Old new girl. Who's that girl? <laughs> it's Jess. Do you want to hear some trivia? Yes. IMDb trivia. So, although promoted as New Line's answer to Gremlins, the screenplay had been written and bought before Gremlins was announced. Herrick, Stephen Herrick, the director of the first one, had based the screen... No, the writer of the first one. Anyway. Herrick had based the screenplay on a nightmare he experienced as a child long before Gremlins was even conceived. And I did read a little bit about the 
relationship between the director and writer of the first one, and they met as assistant editors, and the writer had already written it three years prior. This is very there true. There you go. It's not... Yeah. Gremlins is based on this. Yeah. You're, what came first, Critters or Gremlins? The eternal question. Mm, it's it's like the ants bug life situation, where everyone saw ants, and they were like, that's just fucking a bug's life. And then DreamWorks was like... We were in production first. And Disney was and like, of course they fuck were. you, Jeffrey Katzenberg. You've got a lot of feelings on this topic. <laughs> I like ants. It was one of the few VHSs <laughs> that my dad had. So I would, when so going on over. the ants side of this debate? Yeah. I mean, I like both movies, but I think ants is seen as just a clone of A Bug's Life. The movies are functionally very different. A Bug's Life, right. a movie I still like is about protecting the monarchy. I know it's in part about like, oh, the workers are uniting against their oppressors because, you know, that's what the grasshoppers are. But she's explicitly a queen and they're about protecting the monarchy in the face of that. Ants is like, you are more than just what society expects you to be. And they have to escape a military dictatorship. And Woody Allen has to be there. You know what? At first I was going to ridicule you for being an ants apologist, but I'm on your side. You're so right. Thank you. You've converted me. Now I have, a, now I have an opinion on this. <laughs> That's great. And you should. Um, Do you ever stop and think about how critics are just there for people to be able to form their own opinions on things? Yes. There's, there's definitely a herd mentality to having the courage to having an opinion on things. So when someone else backs up your opinion, you're like, oh, thank God. So like, if you're ever like, I feel like the reason that critics are there, it's not obviously just to guide people on whether to watch a film. It's also to like inform people on not what they should think after they watch a film, but to encourage them to... Yeah. to it's almost like to to satiate the audience into like it, it's almost like to, to to just to advise people on what to think about the film. It's just like, yeah, this is what I think, a critic, and you can think it too now. I mean, I I, I like some particular film critics like Karen Hahn and this other woman. I cannot for the life of me remember her name right now. Um, but I like it when they acknowledge their role as both a cultural curator, what they choose to review is just as important as how what the score they give, and also yeah. the other side of it as rather that than... says a lot about us, by the way. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, rather than having the approach of, I'm reviewing this so you know the quality of the movie, it's, oh, I know that reviewer, and I know what they like, so what... Their score, that gives me an indication of what the movie is like, not because I know that it's now a 6 out of 10, but I know that mm. this reviewer likes this kind of thing. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good insight on top of my very, very good insight, <laughs> I think you'll find. It's like it's a cute addition to my very, very interesting <laughs> remark. Just a cute little add-on. The other piece of trivia I have is voice actor Corey Burton, who I mostly know out of all of his innumerable roles as voicing Anson in Ants? Kingdom Hearts. Oh. Well, Billy Zane, fun fact, a little connection, Billy Zane voiced King, uh, Ansem in the first Kingdom Hearts and then Corey Burton took over. Huh. You can't get Billy Zane every time. But <laughs> That's Corey... what they always say. <laughs> well, we couldn't get Billy Zane on this one. Notably, Billy Zane didn't come back for Titanic 2. <laughs> <laughs> the Reckoning. <laughs> um, the Reckoning is actually a pretty good title given the nature of the Titanic. But it's like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah the it's w. like the W-R-E, yeah. <laughs> like, obviously that movie would be on this list, but I think we would give it a five. <laughs> and then Titanic, the prequel, called just Bon Voyage. 
He voices the critics of the first film. For the second film, director Mick Garris had wanted to get Frank Welker to do the voices of the Kreitz, but he couldn't afford to get him, so he ended up doing most of the voices himself and hiring a loop group, don't know what that is, to provide additional vocals for them. I could not find any information whatsoever, even in the credits, of who did the voice of the critters in this one. It was secretly Billy Zane. <laughs> What a twist. He did an uncredited appearance <laughs> as the critters again. Sometimes you can get Billy's in. <laughs> Today was a win, guys. Um, do you want to hear some I'm reviews? I'm just in Zane for the Zane. Uh, That's what the director you, of the film You interrupted says. my pivot for that. Reviews! I can only apologize. I'm one woman um, with a big heart and a lot of teeth. So the, what the fuck? So many teeth. Uh, so this... this <laughs> Oh, that's a good Marlon Brando. <laughs> no, it's a Billy Zane. <laughs> bon voyage, baby. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll do I'll do Marlon Barrett Brando just so that the audience has a comparison. Hey, forget about it. Attica. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Marlon Brando I wish Billy Zane had a distinct enough voice For us to make this a full fucking triangle but... um, Anyway, let's get into the reviews This movie has 0% zero, zero on Rotten Tomatoes Oh my god, that's huge Yeah, we have that's two in massive. a row With 0% on Rotten Tomatoes I, I thought last episode was the first time We came across a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes So you're telling me that we just got two in a row randomly I feel like we've had at least one before But a lot of the time, even with like Ouija had like 9% or something Like Yeah, they're pretty low But I feel like when I read I, It's just that when I saw 0% I swear to god that was the first time We had mentioned a 0% for Rotten Tomatoes On this entire podcast was last week that's in my memory that's fair i think that's fair um it, that's this is pretty huge guys one thing that i thought was interesting this is one of our 4.4s on imdb but i checked the rating has gone up since we locked the list and it has 4.5 on imdb as of right now was that you michelle yeah, it was me. I left a 10-star review. It was just for the quality of Critters 2. You had to. Also, fun fact, Critters 4 and the reboot, Critters Attack, both have scores low enough to be on the list. They just don't have the required amount of reviews. <sighs> Thank fuck for that. I just... Species 2 really devastated me when I was Did. like, I hated it, never want to touch it again, and you really just dropped a bombshell on me that Species 3 was on the list. <laughs> um, here's some. I can't I- do it again, man. <laughs> here's some IMDb reviews. Uh, the first one, this film is awesome! By Barbara Vaughn. Vaughan. First of all, I do not see what is so bad about this movie. This film is so great that the first day I got it on DVD, I watched it four times. (laughs) That was like me and Little Miss Sunshine, man. All over it. (laughs) Critters 4 is great, but Critters 3 beats Critters 4 by a long shot. This film has a ton of critter action and comedy. This movie is well worth the watch. This movie has some bad acting, but who cares about the acting? Well, me and my friends don't. I know Critters 3 does not have the old Critters charm that the first film did, but still, this movie is freaking great. Well, I gave this review the old college try, but I did not explain much about this movie, but still, everyone should see this great movie. Seriously, see this movie. 10 out of 10. I think I'm going to watch this movie. I just, I've turned off it. And here's, here's, (laughs) I loved this review. It's a short one. Are they back for desserts? By Ross Robinson. Wait, wait. What? Ross Robinson. 
Yeah. Hang on. Russ, Russ Hang on. Robinson. Russ Robinson, I swear. Yeah, I swear to God, Ross Robinson was one of the guys that left a review for Look Who's Talking 3. That sounds really familiar. <laughs> Let me just, can I refer yes, to my document? please do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Incredible. I literally read out a review from Ross Robinson Holy for Look Who's shit. Talking 3. We laughed a lot at his review because he has a very particular way of writing. <laughs> <laughs> Russ Robinson's going to become a Roger Eber-style recurring character on this podcast. Uh, Russ Robinson once referred to uh, Critters 5 as, <laughs> loved it, watched it many times. The review is as follows. Critters 3, colon, this was released in 1991. I did enjoy this movie. Leonardo DiCaprio starred in this movie. He was only 17 years old when he starred and played a part in this movie, which I don't think that's right. I enjoy watching Critters as I think it gets you in the mood when the humor comes. I give this one 10 out of 10. All right, Michelle. All right. (laughs) Spin-off podcast show is that we just go through every review Ross Robinson has left and we watch the movies affiliated and then we review his review. Yeah, I'm on his IMDb page right now and he's got some... He's got some great reviews. <laughs> what I what I love about Ross Robinson is that he's not really about the actual critical analysis of a film. He's more about stating the facts of the film, which I thoroughly enjoy. It's a great reminder of who starred and what, <laughs> what what he liked, which was the film. Yeah. And then maybe restating who's in it again. Unlike, I love it. Unlike Bob, though, not enough of this movie. And then... Speaking of recurring people, though, this is the last review I have. It's called, it's titled OK by Bevo13678, who notably I read a review of his in The Next Karate Kid. <laughs> That's so weird. What the fuck is going on? Okay, because we're in this like terrible fucking void space, we're, in, we're literally just like. We're mining through absolute garbage every week. We're running into the same characters that of their own free will have also absolutely plundered this list of bad films. I want to know if they were making an active effort or if they just happened to watch all of the worst films. Based on both of... Like, both of them have a fuck ton of reviews. I think they just watch a lot of movies. Good on it. So he... Beaver13678 wrote this review. Ha! I think I got the wrong movie. I meant Ghoulies. Same diff. 10 out of 10. No, <laughs> nowhere else, by the way, could I find a review left cool. by him as if he had written a review here and then gotten it wrong. And then I love <laughs> Bevo. He's chaotic as fuck. I'm so about him. This is not a 10 out of 10 review. <laughs> Bevo and Ross Robinson are my, are like, the, the absolute, like, patriarch and matriarch of yes. our podcast I, they like, are our ruling kings and queens genuinely if anyone listen if we get to the point somehow through the sheer coincidence of the universe where one, someone's we read someone's review and they listen to this podcast please email us like i will please. or if you know so anyone happy. affiliated with ross robinson and bevo please get in touch yeah. um but those were our favorite characters reviews um what's your review i oh. As I mentioned, I felt this was a hollow cop-out in comparison with the wonderful, extravagant displays of filmmaking that we got to witness in Look Who's Talking 3. Wow. I didn't find the crit as much of a threat. I think there was a lot of campy, fun stuff that I enjoyed. Don't get me wrong. It was like schlocky 90s, good good fun. And Leonardo DiCaprio was a great addition as well. I enjoyed this film. And it only went for an hour and 24 minutes, which I just (laughs) thoroughly adored. It meant that I reclaimed at least six minutes of my time. I didn't want to strangle myself watching this. And I actually enjoyed having a look into the Critters universe, even though I got the wrong end of the stick 
apparently. Mm. I'm going to give this bad boy a four out of ten. Four. Four out of ten. Nice. Four out of ten is yeah. higher than I thought, considering the energy you brought to this episode. No, it was pretty fun. Again, my, my bar's fucked. <laughs> it's just my standards are really low at this point. So it's like it's almost like you might see my readings getting better and better because my mind's getting warped by this experiment. It definitely has, like, I think the third act is fun. And you can tell that Leonardo DiCaprio is one to watch, um, if not just because he's surrounded by people who are not one to watch. Yeah. Except for Don Keith Upper, who is just fun every time as Charlie. Obviously, my review is colored by the fact that I watched Critters 1 and 2, and this is easily the weakest one. Maybe I would think Critters 4, which apparently really doubles down on the sci-fi and is set like in space maybe uh, maybe that one would be worse the reviews seem to suggest so but uh, most of this movie its main crime was just being boring it's just nothing for way too long way too long of just nothing um and especially because i know from critters one and two what i'm missing i am missing terrence mann as a glam rock bounty hunter with a human companion and a trans friend who a trans mute friend like that's excellent shit. I'm missing the comedy of two. I, If it was two, I'd say this is a 5.3, right? It's still not great, but I, I would watch again. This movie, I'm going to give a 3.2. I, th- I think there were things that were worth, like the puppetry is maybe at its, at its best in this, I guess. Certainly the detail of it, but it's just a letdown on every other front. So I didn't like it. In the absence of Terence Mann, we got you Terence Malick. Do what you will with him for Critter <laughs> 6. Hey, it's me, Terence Malick. <laughs> <laughs> I make stories. Attica, Attica. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that was Critters 3. Uh, please follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Rate Descend Pod, on TikTok at Rating Descending, or email us at ratingdescending at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on our personal accounts. I am on Instagram under Abigail J. Ward. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Michelle.StClair. And don't forget to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really makes a difference. And as I said last week, uh, please go watch Kairos on SBS On Demand for the Australian listeners. It's a great movie. It's, you'll really enjoy it. It really, it re- It's really great. And uh, you're supporting a very particular local filmmaker that you can feel good about. Yeah, that's always nice. I cried, and I've never cried in my life, except that one time when I cried watching <laughs> Kairos, which I cried over. <laughs> And I've never cried. Just K-A-I-R-O-S. But what are we watching next week, Abby? Yes, Michelle. Next week we are watching Supergirl. Hey. We, we've we been on a string recently of franchise entries in which I've watched every entry. Probably not going to watch Superman 1 to 4 in time for this one. It's funny that we're up to Supergirl. I, uh, we'll talk about this next week maybe because it's a long story. But I genuinely cried twice this morning over Christopher Reeves. Because he was on Google this morning. I cried twice over, you know, Christopher Reeve? Yeah, what do you mean he was on Google? (laughs) It's a long story. (laughs) I I cried twice over Christopher Reeve. (laughs) (laughs) He was... Well, I didn't sleep last night. He was on Google as the drawing. Fading out, fading out. It was... (laughs) 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 (laughs)